Shalom and welcome everyone to the ICEJ weekly <clears throat> webinar. This is David Parsons, one of the vice presidents here at the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem and our senior spokesman. I want to uh, welcome everyone who's coming in from all over the world as we come to you from our headquarters in Jerusalem. And uh, we just uh, went through a, uh, a whole series of holidays. There was Passover, then there was Yom HaShoah. Then on Monday evening and Tuesday, it was Yom HaZikaron, Israel's Memorial Day for fallen soldiers and terror victims. And then yesterday, uh, the uh, Yom HaTzma'ut, Israel's 75th anniversary. There were flyovers all day, Israelis in, in, uh, cooking out everywhere. It's the big tradition here, big celebration up on Mount Herzl on Tuesday evening. And so we are still in the festive mood of Israel's 75th before the nation gets back to all the debate over the judicial reforms and everything else facing this country. We're still going to celebrate uh, one more time here on this week's ICJ weekly webinar and helping us do this is the former executive director of the International Christian Embassy, Reverend Malcolm Heading. Good to see you, Malcolm. You have to turn on your mic there. Good to be with you, David. Okay, and uh, many of you who know the embassy uh, know Malcolm served first as a chaplain for the embassy back in the 80s. Uh, and he came back as the executive director from 2001 through 2011, and he still sits on our international board of trustees and serves as an international spokesman for the embassy, among uh, some of his other duties. He's uh, one of the leading, if not the leading, uh, theology expert on Israel, why Christians should uh, stand with Israel in our day, and we're always pleased to have you here uh, at any of the embassy events, Malcolm, but especially this week's webinar talking about the rebirth of Israel 75 years ago. Please, the floor is yours. Well, thank you so much, David, and uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody uh, around the world. It's a, it's a wonderful joy to address the subject that we have today, the 75th anniversary of Israel's statehood. And uh, this is such a rich subject, and it constitutes a miracle that is unprecedented. And so I would like to turn us to one particular passage today as we do this, and uh, we are going to expound it carefully uh, um, as we go through it. And uh, that is the famous passage in Psalm 102 that speaks of a coming remarkable restoration of the state of Israel. And we're going to read um, a few verses from that passage, beginning at verse 12 and finishing at verse 18. So once again, thank you everybody for tuning in today. And uh, it's going to be a time, I believe, of devotion and uh, blessing as we rejoice with the people of Israel at this particular and wonderful milestone in their history. Psalm 102, verse 12. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise and have mercy on Zion, for the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust, so the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created 
may praise the Lord. What a wonderful passage that speaks of this remarkable act of God in the restoration of Israel. And it is remarkable because it pinpoints, in a way, the generation that will see this. And we are that special generation about which the psalmist is speaking in this passage. But I would like to draw your attention uh, to the following thoughts that come naturally out of the passage. And the first one is this idea of sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. And uh, uh, the psalmist says, But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations. And this is just a wonderful statement that asserts the sovereignty of God over the nations, that the God we serve, the God of Israel, has not abandoned the world to the forces of chaos and of evil, but he continues to endure forever, and he continues to exert his sovereignty over the nations. And this is just a wonderful thought because it means that all of us can focus upon him in the days in which we live, and we can find comfort that our God is in control, and how wonderful that is. It is a source of peace and joy, no matter how difficult the issues we face, no matter how complex they may appear to be, the God we serve is sovereign. He is king of the universe. He is king of the world. And we thank him for that fact. The Bible says his name will endure forever. So he's a wonderful God. And we are presented immediately with the idea that he sits above the, the earth and the world and the tumult of nations. And he watches everything as he exerts his authority and power and sovereignty over the nations. But then the psalmist moves to something quite amazing then. He opens up the subject uh, that he is wishing to talk about and over which God exerts his sovereignty. And that is the idea of intervention. So the next thought we have here is one of intervention. And I love the wording of this verse, that is verse 13. And listen to this. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. So the opening picture is of a God at rest in control of his world, a God who is sovereign. Nothing takes place on the earth outside of his purpose. And there he is on his throne, resting in sovereignty, surrounded by the angelic host and the heavenly court. I can just see this incredible picture of God enthroned above the nations and the universe completely in charge and at rest, unmoved by the tumult of nations. But then the psalmist turns and says, you will arise, you will stand up from your throne. And that designates something incredibly important. And it teaches us there's this set time in history, this, this date that rolls over. And as this date rolls over, God arises from his throne and he's going to intervene. And his intervention is to show mercy to the people of Israel is to show mercy to Zion. And more than just mercy, 
but this intervention on this peculiar and particular date is going to bestow his favor upon the people of Israel. Now, you know, friends, this is just quite incredible to, to meditate upon. I've been thinking about it. Because what we see here initially is the theme for our study today. And that is that the world is in tumult. The God we serve is above the nations. He is seated, is at rest, is in charge, is not moved in any particular way. But then, as this date rolls over, as I've mentioned, he suddenly arises. And he's going to do something that is quite amazing. And this amazing act is against the tide of history. It contradicts the movement of nations. It contradicts the desire of nations. It contradicts the state of nations. It is a contradiction of everything that one can see on earth. There is nothing on earth that can speak or tell of this remarkable day of intervention. And this day of intervention then is against the tide of human endeavor. The book of uh, Isaiah says, and the book of Jeremiah as well, that the nations do not care for Zion. They could care less about the Jewish people. In fact, it states that no one cares for her. The people of Israel and uh, the nation in general are outcast. The people are just disregarded as having no real importance or significance. A broken people, a dispersed people, a people without a nation, a people without a land, a people that in history have been depicted as bent over and sort of weak and fragile, a people without any strength whatsoever, a people languishing in the countries across our earth. And suddenly, God arises. And that is so amazing. It tells us that what we're looking at is something very, very important in the plan and the purpose of God for the nations. God arises from his throne. There is a sense here of determination. There is a sense here of something happening that is eschatological, that has to do with timing, with history itself. And this act that he is about to discharge against the tide of nations. Uh, this is something amazing, and it will be on behalf of a despised, broken, dispersed people, the Jewish people. And, and, and he will suddenly move history. He will push nations aside. Even out of their conflicts, he will further his plan and his purpose for the Jewish people. This is an intervention uh, that is quite remarkable. And it's even more remarkable in that the Bible speaks of God's intervention on behalf of Israel at various points in history as taking place on one day. I'm not sure whether you've ever thought about that that when God does something for Israel, he does it on one day. And that is just astonishing, given that what he does contradicts the flow of history. And uh, the book of Isaiah, and chapter 66, and verse 8, actually tells us about this one-day event. And this one-day event that God initiates, as recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, 
is the establishment of the nation that God can stand up and in one day bring about conditions that will result in the Jewish people once again taking the stage of history as a nation in the world. So in Isaiah 66 and verse 8, we, we read, and the writer rightly says, this, this is not possible. This is just unbelievable. It's beyond our capacity to understand. Why? Because it's against the tide of history. Everything we see around us contradicts what happens. Listen to it. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. And, and so the writer tells us that what he's about to say is crazy. It's beyond our seeing and our hearing capacity. And it's this, that the nation will come into existence on one day. After her labor and travail, and if there's ever a nation that has gone through labor and travail, it's the nation of Israel. She emerged out of a holocaust in Europe. And then almost just a few years later, on one day, the road is open for her to become a nation. Who has heard such a thing? And we know that it was a vote in the United Nations whereby the Jewish people all over the world were glued to their radios as they listened one by one as the nations came in and, 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 and gave a vote in a partition plan that would result in her statehood. And so they, they listened. I've seen the pictures you have as well with their ears to the radio and they have a piece of paper and they're ticking off each nation that has come in and voting on one day. And eventually, the Russian nation even came in, the Soviet Union, and cast a vote. And the result was jubilation throughout the world. A nation had been born in one day. The time to favor Zion. God stood up on a particular day and said, that's it, my people will become a nation. And you know, the Bible has wonderful promises. The Bible says about this one day intervention of God on behalf of the nation of Israel. He says that in a day, you can read it in Jeremiah 31 verse 32. He says, on that day when I brought my people out of Egypt, on that day, he took them out of Egypt. And you know, the most exciting thing is that this intervention of God that has brought about the state of Israel that we so greatly rejoice in today, just a day after Yom Hatzma'ut, the day of independence, the Bible says this restoration of Israel is going to culminate in a spiritual recovery of the nation of Israel. And do you know that again, the Bible says that on one day, on one day, God is going to stand up and take away the sins of Israel. That's against the tide of history, especially their history. And it's amazing. And you can read that, and I'll, I will read it to you in the book of Zechariah, that wonderful 
restoration prophet. And uh, Zechariah, he, he says this in his third chapter, and in verse 9, listen to this. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon the stone of seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts. And what is the inscription? I'm going to put it in stone, says God. This is a restoration prophet. Actually speaking of Mashiach. And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Did you hear that? And I will remove the iniquity of that land. The land that he's brought them back to on that day in the United Nations. He says, I'm going to do this again. I will remove the iniquity on one day. And I'm going to engrave it upon a stone. In other words, to use modern terminology, you can take it to the bank. My friends, we have witnessed a remarkable day of intervention. And uh, it's happened in our time. In our time, God arose from a seated place of settled sovereignty as the clock struck in heaven, 1948. God arose because the time to favor Zion and to extend mercy to her had come. So we have this idea of intervention, and then we have a third idea, you see, that comes out of this passage in Psalm 102, and it, it's that of appreciation. And it's quite funny, really, because I've seen it working out in Israel, as many of you have. I'm sure David has seen this many times, and you will still in the future. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. And he, he speaks of a people who love the God of Israel, who, who appreciate, who appreciate the role that the Jewish people have played out for the sake of world redemption, giving us a wonderful book called the Bible, Great Men of God and Great Apostles, and of course our wonderful Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Uh, these people have come to appreciate that the land itself, the promised land, has been the, has been the platform, the foundation, the unifying factor that has galvanized the nation into this beautiful people that have blessed us with things from heaven. And he says, they will be servants of God, you see, who, who will know that and love her and appreciate her peculiar destiny in Israel. So when they get to Israel, they'll even collect some dust and they'll put it in a bottle. And they'll even get a few stones and they'll label the bottle, you know, from the, from, from the Negev Desert Masada. Get some more stones from the Galilee. Get some sea sand, you know, the dust and the sea sand from the Sea of Galilee. And they'll scoop up a little handful of dust at Mount Zion and they'll put it into another bottle and say, from the, the, the site of the Last Supper and Zion. And, you know, you, you think a little bit, well, these people are crazy. No, they're not. He says there will be a people who will appreciate so much the purpose of God flowing through the Jewish people that they will actually take delight in her stones. It's amazing. And show favor to her dust. And that's you. That's me. Some people look at us and say, well, you, you're crazy people. Look at you. You're sort of 
Israel mad, collecting all this stuff. No, you're not. You're fulfilling the word of God. There's something that wells up in you that shows appreciation for what God has done, not for what the Jewish people have done. Their restoration, 75 years ago, was against the tide of history. There was nothing in it that could give them strength or possibility. And in a way, the Holocaust did that. But somehow God infused them with strength. He brought dry bones together, put muscle on them. And suddenly they could stand like a mighty army and come back in a day. And so we appreciate that this is God that we are testifying to yesterday. Because the miracle is beyond human endeavor and Jewish endeavor. And that's the way God always does it. And that's why he says, you see, after this statement of appreciation by the servants of God who know these things and have worked with them for decades, he comes to this other thought, which is demonstration in, in verse 15. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. And you know, the nations may, may rant and rave as they do against Israel. They may say a lot of things, but I'm telling you today, that throughout the world, in the United Nations, in the halls of government, the European Union, the USA, the non-aligned nations of the world, in these, in these great forums of world endeavor, there is something that makes nations tremble. Despite the antagonism and hatred of the Jewish people, they know they're looking at something that hitherto has enjoyed incredible ability to survive, even beyond their capability. And so, and so God has and will continue to show his glory, he says, through this restoration process unfolding in Israel. And so you see them constantly trying to grapple with it, trying to handle it, somehow time trying to Em it in and contain it and even restrict it. But the more they make Israel's survival impossible, the more it becomes a reality. And God says, I'm going to instruct the nations. And they will recognize that I'm the only true God. because of what I have demonstrated and continue to demonstrate in the nation of Israel. My dear friends, the 48th war, the 56th war, the 67th war, the 73th war, the Lebanese war, and we can go on and on. All of this should have meant that Israel should have disappeared a long time ago facing overwhelming numbers, totally, totally outgunned, having alliances with other nations that made it impossible for a small, small state, no bigger than the state of New Jersey or the Kruger National Park in South Africa, could actually overcome and defeat her enemies time and time and time again. It makes the nations tremble. You know what? In a godly way, it makes me tremble. Now I know. Now I know why the Bible says, don't touch these people. They are the apple of my eye. The most sensitive part of my being. Don't touch them. Because they are the vehicle 
of world redemption. So you have this concept here of demonstration. God is doing something through Israel that makes the kings or the politicians, the presidents of our world tremble. Blessed be the name of our God. Hallelujah. And then he moves on to redemption. And this is just another remarkable statement in this beautiful psalm. Verse 16. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. That is just wonderful. The Lord will build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. Verse 17. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. So the next thought, you see, he introduces us to. It's just a sweeping passage is that of redemption. First of all, sovereignty, intervention, appreciation, demonstration, and then redemption. He says, you're going to watch a building up process in Israel. You're going to see Israel and Zion being built up in a phenomenal way against the tide of history and sanctions and the claim that she's an apartheid state and all this turbulence, you see, that rages around her existence. But God has stood up. And he says, I, I will build up Zion. You know, I first went to Israel in the very early 1980s. 81. And I can tell you that Jerusalem, apart from the old city being quite incredible as it always is, and even that has been transformed, but the rest of the city was a sort of a third world village in a way, you know. Single roads, I remember driving from, we lived at Better Kerem, on Herzl Boulevard almost, and driving into the Christian embassy in Brenner Street every morning, there was the single little road that went down through the valley. You can't even see it anymore, it's gone. And today, man, you drive into Jerusalem, you... You are entering the most remarkable roadways, underground tunnels, beautifully done. I mean, incredible. The city has just become beautiful. Even the western city has just expanded. It's modern. It's incredible. And even the old city has been beautified and, and just renovated and made glorious. You see this building up of Zion. How could this be? Never mind. You go to the coastal plain and you see Israel's commercial center, Tel Aviv, Herzliya, Netanya, Gilead, all incredible commercial hubs driving the financial power of Israel. High-rise buildings. When I first went to Israel, Tel Aviv had one sort of storied building it was the shalom building near near joppa the rest of the city was flat as a pancake and much of it was broken down but today the city is beautiful it's just incredible how come for the lord will build up Zion. And that's what you're witnessing. But you know, it says that this building up of Zion will culminate with something wonderful. And the, the terminology here is spectacular again. It's above, you see, the tide of history. And so the terminology says, there will be a building up of Zion. You will see agriculture, technology, digital, 
all manner of commas. You will see everything unfold in a way that is unprecedented. But that will move to something else. And at a point where that has become incredible, the Bible says suddenly God will appear in his glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. My dear friends, the God of the universe has stood up. That's it. The set time has come. An appointed day rolled over. The God of the Bible stood up. And what he now has begun, he is going to finish. At any time now, he will appear in his glory. And that is just astonishing. And that's a promise, you see, in the Messiah. And it's just a wonderful promise. And, and more than that, you see, the writer says, you know why all this is going to happen? Why this building up at a, at a visible level, at a commercial level, at a agricultural level, at, at, at every level, will culminate in the crowning of the building up in a spiritual recovery. All of this has taken place because of a people who have been despised and laughed at and considered weak have prayed for Israel. And, and that, my friends, I believe, is, is the Christian church worldwide whose eyes have been opened. That's you. That's me. And you should never become discouraged, no matter what you see happening in Israel. Even today, with all this upheaval and protesting and rioting and going on, you should never be discouraged because God has stood up. But most of all, why did he stand? Because people like you have prayed. Listen to this. For the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Then he says, he shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. So this has happened because people everywhere, and it gives the idea of sort of, of sort of not wealthy people, not famous people, uh, people who also belittle for their standing with the Jewish people, people who are sort of laughed at because they see some significance in her dust and stones. And, and people who more than likely even think of themselves as, as being insignificant. Maybe you do. But you know, God is standing up because of you. And he says it yet. Do you know why all this has happened? Because people moved in prayer, holding the word of God before me. And therefore, I had no other option than to stand on the date. To stand up. That's you. And that's part of this redemption thing, you see. He links it to that. This building up theme. He will build up Zion. 
there will be roads again. There will be an airport. There will be commerce. There will be unbelievable development and technology and medical advancement. You, you will see the most incredible things coming out of Zion. But at one point, it's going to change. The crowning day of that is the Lord will appear in his glory. Just as Zechariah said, on one day, he will take away their sins. And that's because of you. Faithful people, unknown people, insignificant people in the eyes of men, not wealthy people, quite destitute, but they've prayed. How wonderful, how important it is for us to be involved in this way. What a blessing to have an international Christian embassy Jerusalem since 1980. What a blessing. And that brings me to my final point, consummation. Sovereignty, intervention, appreciation, demonstration, redemption. And consummation, verse 18. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Now that in itself is an astonishing statement, because in the Hebrew, as many scholars will tell you, the actual Hebrew says, this will be written for the last generation. So if you've seen the re-emergence of the state of Israel on the stage of history, the platform of history, if you've seen God arising, showing favor to Zion, if you've traveled and seen her dust and stones and delighted in them, if you've seen the building up of Zion, the amazing, the amazing development of Israel into a first world nation in such a brief time of history, if, if you've seen all of that, then clearly you've moved into a time span in history whereby things will be consummated. Everything will be brought to a conclusion. And, and that's just astonishing as well. Now, Jesus said that, of course, in his Olivet Discourse when he spoke of the dispersion of the Jewish people and their regathering to the city of Jerusalem and, of course, to the nation. And he put that in the basket of end-time signs. But, but the psalmist had that down some 1,000 years before Christ. So you are living in the time when your eyes have witnessed the most amazing thing. And, uh, and it's just astonishing how this little passage is brought together with such power. And you know what? It ends, you see, with this idea of consummation. It ends with the result of all of this is that they, we will be a people who praise the Lord. It says that. And uh, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. So today, after Yom Hatzma'ot has been celebrated throughout the nation of Israel and even in the yard of David Parsons, with all sorts of wonderful meat, man, he made me jealous a moment ago. As that has happened throughout the nations as well, what we can say, looking back at it, is this is a time to give thanks to God and to praise Him for all that's happened in Israel's modern-day restoration. This restoration has been against the tide of history. It is not possible for anyone 
not even the Jewish people to accomplish. God made it so. Therefore, we will praise the Lord on this remarkable holiday. God bless you, my friends, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Malcolm, for that excellent and very encouraging teaching. We're getting some very good responses here in the chat. And uh, I really, uh, it's fired me up again. <laughs> and I uh, just uh, so much appreciate it. You know, the the first half of Psalm 102, um, it really tells you, you have to read that before you get to, for the Lord will arise, have mercy on Zion, uh, because it's almost like a, a passage of the suffering Messiah. Yeah. Uh, Hear my prayer to hide your face for me in my trouble, for my days are consumed like smoke, my bones are burned like a harp. My heart is stricken, withered like grass, so I forget to eat my bread because of the sound of my groaning. My bones cling to my skin. It's not skin to bones, it's bones to skin. You almost can picture the, the Jews in the concentration camps being starved to death. My enemies re reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me, for I've eaten ashes like bread and mingled with drink my weeping. Because of your indignation, this is the psalmist, because of God's indignation and wrath, you've lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like shattered at Lincoln, and I wither away like grass. And then uh, where you started, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever. Remember, it's so your name to all generations, that sovereignty of God. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. The day God turned things around, for Israel, his hand was actually in their dispersion and their suffering and and such. But he, because he arose and turned around, we have this Israel around us today. And I really appreciated your encouragement because we see, you know, troubles here in Israel, but it, it's nothing like what they went through in the Holocaust. And I believe because we are in a time of favor and mercy all sorts of troubles will still arise, but God is going to deliver them out of them all. There's still wars and such. On Remembrance Day the other day, I think we, we honored uh, there were 24,000 and some soldiers who have died in uniform defending the country and over 4,000 terror victims. But that's, that's with everything the enemy's thrown at them. Uh, it it's nothing compared to six million Jews dying in in four or five years in the Holocaust, and the the enemy has the same intent, the same motive, but they don't have the same means because Israel can defend itself, and we have to appreciate that as well. But uh, very very encouraging how God turned it around, and we live in a day where He's going to protect this nation. Amen. Amen. Yes, exactly. And I think that, that therein lies our confidence and and um, our encouragement to keep on praying, to keep on engaging. Because I feel, as you rightly point out, that some testing days are coming for Israel. Yes. And and I think some, some Christians who have loved Israel uh, will be a little derailed because maybe their grip on what is happening is not fully on the word of God. As you pointed out, even in Israel's great suffering through the Holocaust, God was still sovereign and dictating the fortunes of the people. And, and I think uh, in days that lie ahead, some Christians may be derailed and, and um, just uh, so disappointed uh, that they'd be tempted to abandon their place of prayer and support for the nation. We need to hear that, and we need to continue to pray, no matter how weak we think our lives are or our prayers are. God will stand up because of them, which is, to me, just quite incredible that it's not the big people that God responds to, and in, in very often the most visible in the church, but actually the small, despised, as the Bible says, 
a destitute mm. but a mm. people prayed how wonderful mm. okay thank you malcolm for this teaching there's people asking how can they listen to it again and there's an answer from uh, uh someone on our staff that uh, if you want to go to 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 listen to this teaching again uh, you can find it on our Facebook page, the ICJ official Facebook page, or on our YouTube channel. Uh, you go to YouTube, type in ICEJ, it'll take you to our YouTube channel. And uh, we can uh, celebrate this all again in a couple of weeks on May 14, when uh, we have uh, the Israel's Independence Day on the Western secular calendar, and uh, we're... Um, Looking forward to that as well. I know there in the U.S., Malcolm, uh, our U.S. branch has two big banquets, one May 7th in Nashville and then one on May 17th in Washington, D.C. they got Jason Greenblatt, a couple governors, uh, Dr. Jurgen Bueller, our president, will be there. Vesna's wife will be there singing. There we've got a poster on it, uh, Aaron Schultz, on the Nashville Praise Symphony. Hananya uh, Naftali does uh, um, social media for Prime Minister Netanyahu. Uh, this dude, Dusami Washington. I don't know if you've met him, uh, Malcolm. Uh, I met him some years ago. He was at the feast. And yeah. it was a, like a reception in the Pais Arena beforehand. And uh, so I don't really know him, but I did like shake hands and say hello. Yeah, he's a minister and worship leader. He's got a lot of songs of worship, and but he's also a great preacher and a really uh, a rising uh, voice in the Black American community, Black Christian community in America for Israel. Very, very important. And uh, so, if you're in the U.S. and want to attend one of those events, there's also events elsewhere. Uh, but we'll be uh, marking Israel's rebirth again. It's uh, so remarkable how they came from the deaths of the Holocaust to the birth of Israel in a day where you can be recognized even in a day now as a nation. Uh, and uh, so we'll revisit this again in a couple of weeks. But uh, thank you, everyone, for joining today. Malcolm, once again, you never disappoint. Shalom from Jerusalem, everyone.